Welcome to episode number 45 for the National Land Realty Podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the United States. My name is Mac Christian, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer here at National Land Realty. I'll be your host for this episode. If you pay attention to real estate news right now, you're going to hear a few common trends such as interest rate increases, risk in existing commercial markets, Elon Musk talking about the risk in residential markets, and Midwest land values. Many buyers and sellers are sitting on the sideline right now because doom and gloom sells. But is it accurate? We at National Land Realty are seeing strong markets across the nation without any strong corrections from a brokerage perspective, especially in rural land and commercial development. However, as a brokerage, we may not be seeing the full picture. Today, we're talking with Spencer Floyd from Ag South Farm Credit out of South Carolina. Spencer specializes in rural land and farm lending, which makes him an excellent source to have this conversation with. Are we in trouble? Is the land real estate world falling apart around us? Find out, sit back and enjoy. I am sitting here with Spencer Floyd. Spencer uh, works with Ag South out of South Carolina. And um, Spencer, just tell me a little bit about how you how you came to work with Ag South, and just a little bit about Ag South in general. And we can kind of jump into uh, into the general topics here. Yeah, Matt, great to be with you today. Uh, like you said, my name is Spencer Floyd. I live in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, I work out of our Lou Golf or Camden office uh, in South Carolina, which is about 30, 30 miles east of Columbia. Uh, I grew up in the low country of South Carolina in a small rural town called Walterboro, where uh, the Murdoch trial actually recently took place. Um, so knew a lot about what was going on there. Yeah. I went to uh, I went to college at the University of South Carolina. I graduated with a, a business marketing and management degree. Um, I am an outlier to the typical farm credit uh, loan officer as far as my experience in past goes. Uh, I did not grow up on a family farm. Uh, I did not go to an ag school. I just got a business degree. So I happened to intern actually at our parent bank, Ag First Farm Credit Bank in Columbia, South Carolina for two summers uh, while I was at South Carolina. And that actually connected me with one of the farm credit associations in our footprint, Ag South Farm Credit. So I had the opportunity to go out and shadow a uh, Ag South loan officer. We went out on a farm visit uh, with one of this gentleman's customers. We went over uh, one of his particular plans that he had had a loan request for. And I knew immediately after we got back to his office that that was something I could see myself doing long term. So that was my end. I started seven years ago, actually. I was hired in a marketing role, worked uh, in that position for two years. And I have been uh, on the credit side lending, uh, lending money for the past five years. Oh, you started with marketing, you fool. You, you got did. out. You got I out of did. it. You smart man. Well, you know, you got taken there at the beginning, but it sounds like you righted yourself. <laughs> I did. I had the very best boss in the world who hired me um, and gave me a chance. And I uh, could not be more thankful for her and the relationship that we still have. And some people um, actually said it was the opposite. Man, you should have went from lending to marketing. <laughs> I, I give my team crap on a, on a pretty constant basis of like, okay, you, you all signed up for this. You're in marketing. So uh, get ready. That's right. So I do miss some, some fun aspects of that gig, such as doing things like this. So, this, this is some of the more fun stuff. 
Um, so, so tell me a little bit about ag styles just in general, you mentioned farm credit, you guys work with farm credit. Um, just, just so that the general listener has an idea of what you're talking about here. Yep. So we are a farm credit, uh, lending cooperative. So we are based out of well, recently Statesville, North Carolina. Um, we service about half of North Carolina, two thirds of South Carolina and about half of Georgia. I say recently because uh, as of two months ago today, we merged with a sister company, Carolina Farm Credit. Now we're one Ag South Farm Credit across three states. So before now we were just in South Carolina and Georgia, but we are a uh, farm credit cooperative, meaning we lend money to farmers, uh, rural homeowners and rural landowners. So we don't, we're not like a traditional bank. We don't have deposit accounts here. Uh, we were chartered uh, in 1916 by the Farm Credit Lending Act. Um, so we were set on earth to make loans to farmers and rural communities. Got you. And I, I got to backtrack a little bit. You said you grew up in a small little town. What is small little town for, for your area? So small little town, Walterboro is it's known for being a stop off of 95. So not terribly small, but it is for rural community sake, but it, it's small in general, in the general scheme of things. So Columbia, South Carolina, if any of your listeners or audience have been there, it's a city and it's the capital of South Carolina, but it's still not a large city by any means. Columbia is much larger, <laughs> you know, 20 fold than a Walterboro. So. I got you. I got you. So I was going to say, like it, you mentioned not growing up on a farm or something like that. And I was like, you know, there are some qualifications to growing up in a small town, like gr growing up in a, in, a, in a hillbilly town does does give certain qualifications for it. That's like half of my my resume right there. Well, what's fun to do, what we did growing up is we went to Walmart and hung out in the parking lot of Walmart. <laughs> so that's qualified. About, that's about what you have to do in, in Walterboro. That's perfect. Um, so yeah, so so Ag South, and you mentioned farm credit a few times. Farm and and, and as I, I had to get corrected here, and so I wanted to make sure anybody listening understands too. As as I was talking to Spencer initially, um, you know, I was I was saying, you know, we, we want to speak on a national level because not a, not our whole listening audience is in South Carolina, and you specified that you work with with farm credit in general. So this does apply nationally, but there are certain little wrinkles there on a state by state basis, but a lot of the things we're going to talk about here apply nationally and not necessarily just to your area, right? Absolutely. Farm credit is, na is a nationwide system. So no matter what state you live in, there is a farm credit association that services your area. Right. So now just to go out of the gate swinging, I want to talk about interest rates and what, yep. what sort of you're seeing in the markets. I think everybody's seeing, you know, there's, there's a lot of worry kind of nationwide, there's there's the rumblings of like the commercial loans um, coming due here at the end of the year that a lot of people are keeping their eyes on and they're keeping their eyes on sort of just lending in general. What what are what are you seeing and sort of what is the effect on the ag loan market that, that you are currently seeing? So it, it's no secret rates are up there uh, for everybody right now. And they jumped up about a half percent across the board for us uh, late last week. I know commercial banks, they are constantly rising, just like home mortgage lenders as well. So they're up there. Uh, historically speaking, our ag loans and our land loans, they are most always going to be a little bit higher than a conventional home mortgage, because that's that's what resonates with people, right? They know home mortgages, they know rates for the most part, if they're in the market, we're always going to be a little bit higher 
than a conventional home, you know, 30 year home mortgage. Um, so right now, depending on length and term, we have the ability to go as short as one month on our terms. We have the ability to go as long as 30 years for home mortgages, 20 years for farms and, and land loans. So right now, depending on credit quality, uh, your term length and type, we're, we're anywhere between the upper 7% range to the upper 8% range, low 9% range even. Gotcha. Okay. And that's, and that's sort of common with just land in general, right? When you're talking, and, and it changes, right? When you have a residence on the land, you can consider it residential. And, but when you're talking, you know, especially your rec properties, your farm properties, those kind of things, ranch land, right? It takes, it takes in that too. One, it's harder to get a loan just in general and it's harder to finance it's it's harder to assess like the whole thing like talk to me about the complexities about that a little bit because it's always interesting it, it's a lot and uh, you can go out there and you can find commercial banks that are willing to finance raw acreage purchases it, it's less likely than going out and calling or finding or researching any home mortgage lender because there are so many out there who are wanting to make loans on homes but there are far less that are willing to make loans on uh, vacant land and farms. So if a commercial bank out there is willing to lend a, lend on raw vacant land or farms, your, your down payment requirements are generally very hefty. So for the most part out there that I've seen, 20% is the rock bottom minimum, but it's far more common for 35%, 50% down payment requirements. That's where we're a little bit different. Uh, that's a strength of our products. Uh, 15 to 20% is our minimum down required for farms. So anything as little as five acres is the minimum requirement for a quote unquote farm, uh, or there is no maximum acreage. We do also finance rural lots, uh, anything less than five acres where somebody is planning on building a primary residence at some point in time, 15 to 25% is the minimum down payment required on something like that. Going back to farms and term links, that's where that's super complex, uh, depending on who you call and who you who you get in touch with. But for farm credit in general, most every farm credit association out there can go out as long as 20 years uh, for terms. The kicker here is we can do this at a fully fixed rate. That is extremely uncommon in, the, in our marketplace. If a commercial bank is willing to lend on that farm, uh, it's typically associated with a two, three, five, or seven-year arm. So you've got a fixed product there for a shorter term, they'll amortize it over a 15, 20, even 30 year uh, am possibly. But at the end of that balloon, once maturity hits, you better be ready to pay up or hopefully you can refinance elsewhere. Right, and it's those, those arms can get you in trouble on that. And that's, so, so those have kind of stayed standard in, in agriculture or rural land where they, they haven't in residential because of the sticky situation that we got ourselves into in 2006, 2008. Um, and that's still, that, so I, I didn't actually realize that part. So the, 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 the arms that were still in there. Yep. Absolutely. Gotcha. And so, so with interest rates rising, sort of what's the reaction that you've seen in, in your marketplace? And I think that we could probably apply this nationally just because South Carolina has been such a hot market for, you know, the last five years straight, it's just been on fire. And I think you could apply a lot of what you're seeing there to, to a national level. Absolutely. So in, in, my marketplace in general. So I serve as the Midlands of South Carolina. So three fairly large counties. Um, 
it has been identical in my world compared to the the home market in these past you know three four years. Uh, it's been just record breaking years year over year. Whether that's transaction volume, you name it, it has just been gangbusters and hard to catch your breath for the most part. Uh, our rates took a steep incline uh, about six, seven, eight months ago. So uh, back in November, we were we've pretty much plateaued out uh, for the past, you know, I guess five, six months now. And uh, January and February were real sticker shock months, I think, for our for our uh, marketplace folks that were calling in looking to potentially buy, you know, anywhere between five to a couple of hundred acres. Uh, those rates really, for lack of better terms, hit them in the mouth. And uh, you'd have that conversation and then you wouldn't hear back from that person after you send maybe a free call <laughs> or an application. That was not uncommon. And uh, back, I forgot to mention this personally, back in uh, mid-December, I actually had uh, my wife and I had our first little boy. So I've got a five-month-old back at the house. So, which has been awesome. I am a little bit tired, more tired these days. Oh yeah, that'll do it. Absolutely. So I took about three to four weeks off uh, back to end the year throughout the holidays and to start 2023. My pipeline was empty when I came back. So it was time to rebuild, uh, to rebuild that pipeline. January and February were the skinniest months I've experienced in my five years lending, lending money. And um, it wasn't for lack of conversation but again, I think it was more tire kickers, more sticker shock, dealing with those kinds of effects. Ever since then, it was really the first of March. There has been really no change in our rates. They've fluctuated up and down a little bit, but they've remained pretty consistent. I think the folks that were maybe in the marketplace originally and got hit with those, those interest rate talks kind of came back and circled back and realized, hey, this might not be changing for you know, the next year, two, three years. So this could be the new normal. And I think that realization really hit our, you know, consumers and, you know, they have began to really jump back in the market. And we have been very, very busy over these past four months, which is a great thing. Really. Over the last couple of weeks with the rate increase that that just happened, right? Absolutely. I, I think I've got 13 applications in the past seven business days. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of interesting because, you know, we, we've talked with, you know, we, we just we talked to a professor here in the Midwest um, a few months ago to sort of get a market update, sort of, you know, what's going on with the marketplace for 2023 as far as projections. And the overall projection was still, still a hot to warm market, but more of a plateau rather than these like four and five X increases that we've experienced over the last few years sort of a calming, but not necessarily a cooling in the market. Is that kind of what you're seeing as well? I would agree with that a thousand percent. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And and my particular market compared to out in the Midwest, the Midwestern farmers and farm credits customers out there would laugh at the size farms that, that we particularly have in my local area of South Carolina. Um, but my general market is more of your your W-2 employees that, that have day jobs that want in anywhere between five to a couple hundred acres to invest in and play on and recreate on and ultimately, you know, possibly be somewhere where they want to build a home on and be on forever. So there is some emotional attachment 
with that kind of purchase and that kind of buyer. And I think if you have been thinking about doing something like this and making this kind of investment for some time and then something completely out of your control, you know, like interest rates comes to play, I think you're willing to take a chance in hopes that within the next couple of years, interest rates will come back down and we can look to refinance that note. Yeah, that's a, that's a conversation I, I I've been having a little bit lately, where it's like you know we're we're hoping the interest rates come back down, but I, it's one of those like I don't know if you can bank on it. You know, it's 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 difficult to bank on something like that. You you want to see it because it'll drive you know just the economy in general, but at the same time, like it's it's a little bit of a fix right now. It's been so low for so long. You know, you think about the interest rates of the '80s, you know, early '90s and stuff. You know, early '80s we had like 14% interest rates, and you know that wasn't uncommon. There's still low rates right now. It's just the market, there's sticker shock. Like you said, the market is not caught up in terms of its overall price as compared to where the interest rates make that in terms of cash flow. And so it's, it's just, it's a unique situation because I think a lot of people are kind of sidelined expecting rates to drop eventually, but then realizing that they're kind of sticking around for a bit, if not increasing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So within that, um, you know, obviously you're working with interest rates. You're still getting buyers in it. Like, you know, it, it's sort of matching every analysis that we looked at for the last you know, couple of you know, the last year projecting into 2023 that we're going to see more of a plateau. It's not going to be the, I mean, quite frankly, the market was unsustainably hot for two years there. And, and so we're seeing more of a, I would call it a rational market on, on some level. So what are the what are the tools and opportunities that people have within the system right now to to sort of to to access the land market? As far as researching and finding out what's available, is that what you're you're meaning? Well, I just didn't know, like, you know, while well, you mentioned the, the the patronage program or or the cooperative structure that you guys work with or things like that. I just didn't know if those kind of tied into this and made things yeah. more accessible or. Absolutely. So, so let's hit on that, that patronage program, actually. So like I mentioned, Ag South and farm credit in general is, is member owned, meaning the customer base owns that farm credit association. So uh, whenever you become a member or take out a loan to buy a piece of property uh, with Ag South, you are buying stock and you are then a stockholder. So that is a maximum thousand uh, dollars worth of stock that is equated to one share. Um, you cannot buy any more stock. I get that question all the time. Uh, but essentially, the biggest benefit of doing business with farm credit in general is that patronage program. So whenever Axel for farm credit in general does well, we want our members to do well also. So say an eight and a half percent interest rate on the surface, that's going to act. As far as Farm Ag South's historic 30-year average, that's going to act much closer to six and a quarter when it's all said and done, because you are going to get a check back every single year that you have an active loan with us. And that's going to equate to generally about 25 cents on every single dollar that you pay in interest expense the previous year. That's very powerful. And that those initial conversations with folks who have never done business with Ag South or Farm Credit uh, previously, they hear that but it's in one ear and out the other. And then come uh, April 1st of the following year, that's generally when our, our patronage checks go out. 
they get this check and we get tons of calls asking if it's legitimate, is it real? What is this about? And then I have to remind them of that conversation. And then they are so thankful. And that light, that aha moment hits them and they realize, wow, okay, this is, this is a little bit different than what I'm accustomed to versus my typical commercial bank. Yeah, if you were unaware, that would throw you off. You'd be like, I'm yep. sorry, man. I don't have any relatives in Zimbabwe trying to give me checks. Like, yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> yep. So it does pay to do business with farm credit. Uh, it is very difficult to compare uh, a home mortgage with a land mortgage, a, a home loan with a land loan. Speaking nationally, we have mortgages here in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so right now, as far as I know, the the 30 year conventional home mortgage or home loan is around 7 percent. So we're, we're closer to about a point and a half over for a land or farm loan. When it's all said and done, we're actually beating that 7 percent home loan rate with the effect of patronage. So it's hard for somebody to grasp that who has never done business with us. But if you got a hold of some of our existing members who have been doing business with us for a long time, there are best sellers and advocates for the program and what we do and what we stand for as a company. Right. Well, I mean, that's going made taking it from where you are now to like a six and a half percent. Like that's a significant impact on cash flow. Granted, you don't get it till the end of the year, but it's a pretty good deal at the end of the year when you have something like that, you know, it becomes available and you're able to reincorporate that back into your overall holdings. Um, that in value. It, it's your money to do with it what you want. It, you can apply it directly back to the loan, knock that principal down. Uh, you can take your family on a vacation, buy groceries. It's your business. It's whatever you'd like to do with it, but it's an extremely powerful tool and part of doing business with farm credit. Right. Oh, yeah. And then you mentioned like farms, you know, any kind of any kind of working property, you mean income producing property, whether it's farm or ranch or something like that, that lets you reinvest into that property and try to maximize it for, for further production. So you also mentioned something about, you know, a lot of people when they're when they're looking to buy a land. And this is something that was actually it's it's newer to me. As, as I was looking at it, because when I when I think about improving a home, right, like you're thinking about taking out a HELOC, maybe like a renovation loan or something like that. And then they're, they're a little sticky to, to look at going through with land. Most people do want to make land improvements on some level. Like if it's a hunting property, you need to shut up your, your, your shooting lanes, set up your food plots, um, establish a pond. If you want to do duck hunting, you know, you, you got to get your duck impoundment ready. Those all take cash flow if you don't have it on hand. And so a lot of people are probably looking and considering those same options. Like, man, I got to do a HELOC on my home to improve this hunting land or something like that. And so that's where I was really interested too. One, you have this, you know, the, the, the patronage program that you're talking about, or you get a return at the end of the year, that's one thing. But then you also talked about doing improvement loans, which I was definitely interested in hearing about, you know, for those out there that were not aware of this, this is a very cool product. Absolutely. So going back to, what differentiates farm credit versus commercial banks who are willing to lend on land and farm purchases for the most part that as far as I am aware, that commercial bank, they're there for that one-time transaction and good luck getting an improvement loan to actually make the property something that you can see and envision long-term with farm credit. We are here for the long haul. We want the long-term relationship with you. We want not only that, that initial purchase loan, but we want to 
help you make that property the end goal property that you have in your goals and visions. So yes, we have the ability to make improvement loans. So like you mentioned for a recreational hunting property, we've got the ability to help fund uh, construction loans to build yourself a cabin, build yourself some sort storage sheds or equipment sheds, um, fencing. If you needed to harvest uh, some timber and you wanted to establish some open land, we can help with everything and anything you can think of when it comes to land and farm improvements. And what does that look like as far as minimum and maximum caps on, on improvement amounts that you can do? And then I'm, it all, I'm assuming ties back to there's credit rating limitations in there for sure. Absolutely. But as far as like, what's the, what's the constraints within something like that? So generally it's all about loan to value. So we can lend as much as 85%, 80% total loan to value dependent on the, the, account balance per se, but as long as we can get that thing to cash flow appropriately and it makes sense from a cash flow perspective, uh, it really comes down to the amount of equity that you have in that track uh, versus an updated appraisal. And we've got the ability to do a prospective value or as will be appraisals as if that improvement existed today. Up to 85%. Up to 85%. That's an enormous amount of leverage that somebody could get off of a piece of land right there. Absolutely. So if you've had a, an open account and loan with us uh, on a farm that you bought, say, five, 10 years ago, you've really paid that thing down and beat that principal down. And not only with natural appreciation that we've experienced over the last several years, there's so much equity to tap into there. If you'd like to do that, you have the ability to. So, yes, it does come down to credit and other factors, but that loanable back loanable value uh, is, is it's unmatched in my opinion to, to our competitors. What's typical term on, on an improvement loan like that? Typically 15 to 20 years. It depends on what you're doing, Um, but we're extremely, we can customize that to what makes sense. So, you know, let's say a 20 acre horse farm that needs new fencing. 10 years is probably what we're comfortable going, but if we need to go out longer to make sense to the customer, we'll do that. Gotcha. So these are enormously powerful tools that I think a lot of people are unaware of. Cause I, like I said, I think people conventionally look for, you know, uh, some kind of HELOC or some, some kind of tool like that, similar to the residential market. Now I I'm, I'm speaking way under the level of probably most of the like experienced farmers out there. Like, Oh, you moron. This stuff has always been, but you know, I, I like to talk to an audience that, that as well that may not know about these things for sure. And and this is something that's a bit, when, when you put this product together, when you work with this product, is this a farm credit product or is this just with your institution? For the most part, this should be an available product nationwide uh, through farm credit. As far as I, I would, I would be willing to bet that. Yes, absolutely. Excellent. And, and so as a general, you mentioned that it's hard to get commercial loans. You know, there's a five acre limitation that that you all work with. What are those sort of limitations that you look at as far as the size of property that, that makes it a land loan versus, or, or, you know, if it's, if it's under five acres, a lot of times you can't get a land loan, right? Like, or a commercial loan, you're kind of just going to shell out cash or, you know, see you later. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, as far as the, the really small stuff that we do see a fair amount, so anything under five acres, the first requirement is you've got to have intent to build your primary residence, whether that's tomorrow or 
30 years from now. That's the only way we can qualify that as an eligible type of property for this individual. The only two things that we can do for that individual are help with the lot purchase. And then we do have a, uh, several construction products, whether that's through the farm credit side or our home mortgage team. The home mortgage department, that is not not every farm credit association nationwide has that division. So it is an association by association basis, but we we in particular do. So uh, going to the, the smaller hobby farm, so five acres is your minimum uh, requirement. On that five to 10, 20 acre types of purchases, we do have to establish uh, some sort of agricultural intent with that property uh, for something as small as five acres. It may not be as simple as, well, I'm going to grow, grow trees out there. It, it may have to be a little bit more complex. Our minimum threshold to qualify you as a part-time farmer is you have to be able to show the potential to gross $1,000 in annual ag farm income. Okay. So that, that's There's your income minimum to qualify. Okay. Yep. That's, that's your minimum. And for the most part, if you own 20 acres, you should be able to be able to put a pretty simple farm plan out there, farm business plan out there that shows that you can produce a thousand dollars of gross income. How does that factor in with a timber investment is something I would be curious about because a lot of times, you know, you're looking at, at a, at an index of like 20 years, you won't be getting a return for like, you know, 15, 20 years, depending on, on the maturity of the trees. So how do you break yeah. this down into this is a thousand dollars a year income? So that's a great question. Uh, if let's say you own 25, 30 plus acres of timberland. We're not going to be sticklers about that. We can't, we can, we can use our heads and common sense to show that this is an ag property. So in, in nature, we could very likely get a thousand dollars worth of gross annual farm income off of that particular piece of property. That's, that is a good segue or, or transition though for, for timber properties in particular. So, so 50 plus acre timber tracks, uh, I do get asked this all the time when somebody is looking to buy this type of property. Hey, can I go ahead and harvest or pre-sell that timber and use that as a portion or all of my down payment requirement? I don't want to speak for associations nationwide, but at least for Ag South in particular, the answer is no. We do need for you to actually have some skin in the game and uh, utilize some of your individual sweat equity, not just what's available and out there on what you're purchasing. Also, a lot of people don't realize that timber is actually a part of our collateral and it does contribute value. So whenever you're going to do a first, second thinning or a clear cut harvest, you could, depending on the size track, it could be a detriment to our overall uh, appraised value position. So people, it is good to have relationships with uh, foresters and uh, timber brokers who know Ag South and know that they need to get a release from Ag South on that timber that is to be harvested um, prior to actually cutting that that wood. And it's a pretty simple and easy conversation with most borrowers who do get it. Um, for the most part, it is dictated by the equity position that you have in that track. So if you have really strong equity and we're at a low overall loan to value position, if you're looking to replant that track, uh, you can keep the majority of those, those timber proceeds and do with it what you will. Now, if we're at a higher loan to value position, say 80, you know, 75%, we need 
that loan to value position pre-release to remain as is post-release. Meaning if that track is valued, if you're at a 75% loan to value position and you come to me with a timber sales agreement, I'm going to show you at least the what proceeds need to come back to that loan to get us to that post-release loan to value position. And we may need to have an updated appraisal done prior to that timber being harvested to get a better depiction on what that looks like. And the great thing is we have awesome resources internally and externally when it comes to appraisers. We've got a team of staff appraisers here. Most uh, farm credit associations do have appraisers on staff that understand the types of properties that we're lending against. So we've got really a really strong team in place to help you and help you understand why we need what we need in each particular scenario. So when just making sure I, I want to repeat back to you. So I make sure I understand the complexity of it when you were talking about, and cause I've, I've heard this several times with people that like they'll buy timber property, sell off some of the timber to pay off some of what they put in, some of what they put into the property initially. And so you're saying when you go in and you evaluate the property, you take into account not just where the trees are at now, but where they would typically be harvested. So if somebody were to cut, they might be taking away value that you were anticipating this property to have later on. And so Absolutely. you're reducing the overall value of the property. So then if when they pay back in, they'll pay some of the loan down, but then you at Farm Credit can't recapture the value when that person goes to sell. It's going to be upside down. That's correct. Absolutely. Okay. You're all over that's uh, that's interesting because it, 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 that is a, a sort of a, a proposition that a lot of people kind of get into their head. So you, you you would you would have to be working with a forester to say, OK, no, this is indexed for like 15 years. You don't want to cut these for 15 years. Otherwise, you're not going to maximize the value. And that's that's what went into the loan in the first place. Is there a penalty for something like that if you reduce the value to something like that when they have a loan on it? Oh, not at all. No, not at all. You are welcome to put as much, you know, apply as much money at any point in time towards principal as you'd like it. No, no additional penalty. Got you. Got you. No, those are really good things to keep in mind, especially for those timber investors out there. That's, that's one of those. It, it's a very, very specific piece that, that you could get yourself in the hot water over. And, uh, and our appraisers, they understand that upfront on a larger timber track. So, you know, something a couple hundred acres and greater, we need evaluation on not only that, the, the track as a whole, but we need that broken out in between that dirt value versus that standing timber value today, just so we have a, a very good understanding. If you do have intentions to to clear cut or or make a second or third thinning in the near future, we we need to have an idea about what we're going to be left with at the end of the day. Yeah, well, so I wanted to circle back to to the interest rates a little bit to to overall market. Um, what advice do you have for people that are sitting on the sidelines right now that are watching the markets that are freaked out about interest rates, watching the economy? And, and I would, I would, I would give it more specific circumstance, right? Somebody who wants to get in the land, purchase it either, whether it's recreation, they want, they want like, you know, a side hustle farm or, you know, they, they want to run some cattle somewhere and, but they're, they're sort of sidelined right now and looking at it. What's, what's sort of your advice? Sure. So if I knew what interest rates were going to be like in a month, two months, three months going forward, I'd be doing something a little bit different and making a lot more money. <laughs> but at the same time, 
I believe this is going to be the 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 new normal for for some time to come for for at least a year to two. I think we're we're in this. So I think where we're at right now, this is going to be an intermediate uh, or, or short term outlook about what interest rates look like. And and the thing is, when when it comes to values of properties, we're pretty much seeing values you know, steady, just like the home market over the past three years, your home value just has appreciated tremendously over the last several years. The land market did the exact same thing and land values continue to stay steady and they're holding. And as long as, as long as things are, this is coming directly from one of my, uh, one of my counterparts over at national land. He told me the other day, as long as something is, is priced, appropriately, meaning within a 10%, you know, market value, there, things are moving and moving fast still. So I think if you are really in the game and in the market, don't be afraid to jump on something right now, just because of the interest rates. Going back to Ag South being a member owned cooperative, we live by the motto, we're, we're here to take care of our customers. And that's something that Ag South uh, really prides itself on is the level of customer service. Um, farm credit as a whole is a boots on the ground, brick and mortar type of establishment. And as far as I know, we, we always will be. We're still growing and advancing with technology. But we want to have that one-on-one relationship between you know, our staff members and our customers. and we offer several types of benefits when it comes to uh, down the line, potentially repricing loans and refinancing loans. So if this, if this does change in a year, two years and rates dip back down to, you know, closer to where they were two years ago, a year ago, we've got tools in place to help you at, at a cost efficient and effective manner. We offer a repricing tool or note modification tool, where we were doing this like crazy back in, I guess that was 2019, 2020, maybe when somebody invested in a piece of property in say 2018, when rates were a little bit more comparable to where they are today, and then they dipped and fell off the face of the earth. We had reports every single day where we were calling our customers saying, hey, I can lower your rate from X to Y. And everybody always wanted to know, what's the catch? What do I got to do? How much is this gonna cost? For the most part, it, it may cost you $100 to do that repricing program. The catch is three documents that we need you to sign. You're on the same exact amortization schedule. Nothing changes but your rate and also obviously the payment. So we can do that as many times as rates continue to come down. It's kind of the whole purpose and principle behind that cooperative structure. So that is something that is just our members could not be thank us enough back whenever we were doing that. And hopefully we have the opportunity to do that again here in the, in the not so distant future. I agree very much. So, um, well, Hey, Spencer, I appreciate your time here. Um, I want to let you drop any kind of last notes you want to drop in here. Man, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. This was my very first uh, guest <laughs> appearance on a podcast. So thank you very much for the opportunity. I really do appreciate it. I think uh, I think the world of the folks that I do business with over at National Land in South Carolina, you guys have an incredible team. You have great leadership. 
you know your stuff, just like with farm credit, you have relationships with your customer base and your clients. And uh, I just, you have the resources and connections that set your clients up for success. And we try and model our business nearly identically. So it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And um, if I can ever help you or do anything for you, please let me know. Man, you're going to make me send you a bottle of bourbon or something. I didn't expect you to plug it in the land. Like, <laughs> I love that. I will not turn that down. All right. All right. I appreciate it, man. We'll get you back on here sometime. That sounds great. Thank you, Matt. This concludes episode number 45 for the National Land Realty Podcast, discussing land lending with Spencer Floyd of Ag South Farm Credit. You can learn more about land ownership and the buying and selling of land at nationalland.com.